Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Tuesday, May the 30th, 2023. A couple of what we might think of as ex-entrepreneurs are in the news today. Elizabeth Holmes, uh, according to the New York Times, has reported to a relatively low-security prison to begin her 11-year sentence for one kind of robbery or another. The Wall Street talks about her as the Theranos founder reporting to a Texan prison. Meanwhile, her Brother in crime, if that's the right right way to describe it, Sam Bankman-Fried is back in the news. Uh, Prosecutors say that his bid to dismiss the charges is meritless. I think he may be meritless. Um, uh, And the journal is reporting that he might have some charges drops if the Bahamas objects. What this speaks about, though, is the, the dark end of the entrepreneurial spectrum when things get completely out of control with both Bankman Freed and Holmes. One man who has done a lot of thinking about the darker end of um, entrepreneurship is my guest today. Neil Seaman is uh, a successful entrepreneur himself from Canada, founder of a successful data company. Um, and he has a new book out, Accelerated Minds, Unlocking the Fascinating, Inspiring, and Often Destructive Impulses that Drive the Entrepreneurial Brain. And he's joining us from Toronto today. Neil, how do uh, Elizabeth Holmes and Sam Bankman-Fried uh, fit into your argument in Accelerated Minds? Were their minds accelerating rather too fast? Did they crash Rather disastrously, Bankman, Fried, and Holmes. Well, certainly, Andrew. You know they—they're entrepreneurs in the sense that, um, hey, they employed folks, they started something, but they don't—they uh, they really represent a, a far extreme on the entrepreneurial spectrum. I, I sort of think of of those people as getting undue. Uh, sort of attention and, and bad attention uh, for entrepreneurs. They don't really represent the vast majority of entrepreneurs who sort of focus on value and building real stuff, not sort of ethereal, um, a sort of crypto, uh, NFT, Web3 um, machines that don't do what they claim to do in the case of Theranos. Um, so were, were their minds accelerated? Um, perhaps. Um, but they, they, they don't, in my view, I'm not really concerned um, about entrepreneurs like that. Uh, they're the type of entrepreneurs who, you know, uh, I'm not terribly concerned with. I, I'm more concerned with the, um, the mental health of those entrepreneurs who are trying to build something lasting for themselves, for their community uh, that they care about. And yet they, they fall into, uh, into ruin, uh, addiction, uh, self-harm. Right. So I, I take your point, although one of the intriguing things I think about your book, and you're saying something that may seem obvious, but isn't always said, is that entrepreneurship 
is a form of addiction. It's certainly something that more and more young people are, for better or worse, addicted to. And as you say, Holmes and, and Bankman Freed are one extreme. But they themselves seem addicted. Neither of them obviously want to end up in jail. They've shamed themselves, their families, and ruined their lives. Um, what kind of addiction do you think much of today's entrepreneurial world uh, represents? Is this a, a classic form of addiction like alcohol or gambling or drugs? Well, it's certainly akin to gambling. Um, so I'm the son of two dopamine scientists, and they, they focused on how this chemical, this neurotransmitter in the brain receives and releases um, dopamine. And in the case of, of, of gambling addicts and, and in the case of entrepreneurs, uh, certain of the receptors, the dopamine receptors are elevated. So it's similar. Um, the dopamine rush can be similar. And it's especially strong when you start out on your vision toward entrepreneurship, when you start telling the world about what you're trying to achieve. Uh, so there are similarities in, in that respect. The question um, that I address is whether that um, you know, the, whether that price is worth paying and what do we do about it? Um, so what I want to do is uh, advocate for sort of a, a prevention uh, approach to it and, and give entrepreneurs, again, that the ones I care about the most, uh, they tend to be quiet, not brash and bombastic, um, uh, the tools uh, to navigate this, this challenging world uh, of entrepreneurship. But do they want those tools, Neil? Isn't this a choice that everyone makes? You could still... In particularly in Canada, you could get a job as a civil servant. You can go and work in a store. Uh, many are called uh, as entrepreneurs, few are chosen, uh, but they know what they're involved in. The vast majority of entrepreneurs fail, and that's the nature of things. Yeah, you know, I wish they did know what they were getting into. I, I, don't, I don't think they do, actually. I think the, the pre-entrepreneurial messaging that um, – you know, that we're sending, whether it's from the business schools, the incubators, the accelerators, the financial tech media is one in which we glorify entrepreneurship, you know, fast money, you know, quick riches. Um, and that's just not the case, right? It's a, it's a hard, as you know, it's a, a hard, it's a hard toil. Uh, so there's really, I mean, many entrepreneurs, I mean, you know, as you know, most ventures fail um, and most young entrepreneurs in particular um, really get uh, sideswipe and it's too late when they realize, um, uh, you know, after financial ruin uh, that that they're suffering. You say financial ruin, as long as they're losing other people's money rather than their own. Isn't that the nature of what entrepreneurs do? There are huge wins. Uh, everyone risks it either as an entrepreneur or as an investor. And what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it at all, you know. I mean, and this this is the foundation of capitalism. I think what what we want to do uh, as a society, I believe, is we want to nurture uh, sort of long term entrepreneurship. Basically, we want to uh, create more of a free market in entrepreneurship and and make sure those who are going into it know what they're doing and those who uh, are producing wealth for for themselves and for all of society uh, don't skid off the rails. Um, and so the tools can be really simple, right? I mean, I, I think early on in the entrepreneurial journey, um, uh, you know, people can be you know, made aware of services uh, locally uh, in their community um, that they can that they can take part in. Um, often, coaching uh, entrepreneurial communities, all of these things, I think, can help entrepreneurs really gr grapple with the, the reality uh, that they're facing.
Aren't you, though, and I'm making this word up, Neil, you're trying to Canadify entrepreneurship, make it reasonable, make it, yeah. um, make it moderate. But isn't the very nature of entrepreneurship um, that it doesn't mean that Canada can't have entrepreneurs, but it might not fit as comfortably into your culture in Canada as it certainly does in the United States, which is much more of a, a, a zero-sum culture of winners and losers. Yeah, I mean, I look. I, I would argue that Can you know Canadians hold our weight quite well, both in Canada and in Silicon Valley. As hundreds of thousands of Canadians, uh, Canadians are everywhere, Andrew. <laughs> um, here in Canada and in the, the United States, we're on par in terms of the percentage of the labor force that that really uh, you know packs a good punch in entrepreneurship. That being said, you do make a good point about culture. Um, there, there, there is uh, you know there there is a culture in America um, that that. I don't know if I'd call it a zero sum game, but there's a, a healthy respect for those who take risks. And as there is here too, I, I think really um, what, what I want to do is I, I want to give already successful hungry entrepreneurs um, the power to succeed even further. Um you mentioned can Canadian entrepreneurs. Have you seen the new movie Blackberry? No, but I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. We all. It's know actually a brilliant film. I, yeah. I saw it a couple of weeks ago before I was in Turkey um, about research in motion um, and the ups and downs. Very dramatic ups and downs. I'd be curious as to you whether research in motion had been an, an American company, whether it would have had the same rather sad outcome. I mean, is entrepreneurship in, in, in Canada treated differently from the United States? Yeah, I mean, I think the difference is that um, Canada is a very different place than it was even five years ago. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm here in, in it really, we're a country of new immigrants. Um, here in Toronto, we have a greater percentage of, of first immigrant uh, population than, than New York City. So um, what we are in Canada is uh, we're, we're the diversity. We, we live diversity in Canada. So our markets for, for new immigrant entrepreneurs, which are a growing percentage of entrepreneurs, are global uh, in orientation. It wasn't too long ago uh, that Canada was, was very um, narrow looking in terms of its entrepreneurship. So that's changed quite dramatically. Um, in Canada over the last five to ten years. Well, you need to see it, um, Neil. It's a really good film. It's, yeah, it's about a man. I mean, he's not quite. Yeah, he's not quite Sam Bankman-Fried or Elizabeth Holmes, but he's certainly someone who, if not broke the law, skirted the law and lost everything. And the ironic thing about the Research in Motion movie, the BlackBerry movie, is the only person who made any money was one of the co-founders who was fired and pushed out, whereas everyone who was supposedly successful failed. You talked about improving capitalism. You wrote an interesting piece with the EU Observer wishing for a kinder capitalism in 2023, and there's a photo of Ayn Rand's coffin. Um, what does a kinder capitalism mean to you, and how is that bound up in... Um, improving the quality of the life work-life balance for entrepreneurs yeah so um 
I'm really thinking of uh, historically, right? We talked about the founder's dilemma as being that challenge of how much outside investment uh, Professor Wasserman then at Harvard would talk about um, versus, uh, you know, how, how much to take uh, because that you need to balance that against control. And really what's happened now is the, the short termism of the investor ecosystem has, you know, put that balance askew such that really um, the, the demand for fast return on money um, is really intense. Um, and again, uh, it's a it's a choice. I'm not suggesting greater regulation. Um, I'm, I'm simply saying that uh, we can we can value patient capital a little bit more. Um, and, and there are ways to do that. I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk about greater scrutiny of investors. Um, they can be accredited, of course, in terms of their net income and net worth. I feel they should also be accredited in terms of their demonstrable commitment to mental health uh, and, and, and long term hold. There's a variety of things we can do to nurture, um, you know, I call it kinder capitalism, long term uh, investment. Uh, but at the end of the day, in that particular piece where I was referencing Ayn Rand, um, you know, Ayn Rand uh, talked about focusing on things that are real. And that's what entrepreneurs do. And, um, you know, they, 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 they championed um, libertarians, objectivists, championed sort of property law uh, as, as the science of ownership. And yet so much of what's being created in um, fast money entrepreneurialism these days is kind of, you know, it's ethereal, like it's not there, there, like whether it's the metaverse or, or web three or NFT, right? Like you want to build real stuff, real stuff. But is I AI real? I mean, one of the other big news stories today is that um, as an open letter from all the, the big players in, in the AI revolution from open AI, Google DeepMind about the uh, the fact that AI poses the risk of extinction. Is, is, is AI real? It seems as real as Web3 or crypto. Might be a little bit more substantial, but it might be a bit more viable in business terms. I mean, the internet then, in the way you're describing it, isn't real either. No, no, the internet's real. Like, the internet is architecture. Um, and if you think back to the, and I'll get to AI in a second, that's a bigger conversation, but, you know, the mid 90s, when we created search engines and browsers and the domain name system, the architecture upon which all of this other ethereal stuff is based today um, and, and plus AI um, is based. I mean, those were those were real things. Dot uh, com, in fact, build build real stuff. Now, AI, I, I it's I can't assess um, the, the claims on either extreme of, of this debate. I. I don't like to call it AI. I like to just to call it knowledge. Um, uh, and uh, I, I think knowledge is real and, and the, the growth and pace and intensity of the accumulation of knowledge is real. Um, does it pose a, an extinction risk? Um, I always sort of recoil when people make extreme statements of that nature, um, but I respect the credentials of those who are saying that. So. I, I think I just need to put on uh, my reflective hat and evaluate their their contentions uh, carefully. You wrote an interesting piece as well for the uh, the Toronto Star on hidden burnout, the work life balance struggles of entrepreneurs. You suggest that they're all working at least six days a week, which in California is. Yeah. Much. I mean, you can't be an entrepreneur, Neil, and work five days a week. No. You can't do nine to fives. 
no. nature of being an entrepreneur, as I said earlier, many are called, few are chosen, most of them burn out, most of them end in failure. But by definition, you've got to be working six or seven days a week as an entrepreneur, don't you? Yeah, you do. Um, but you got to work on things that you love, right? So um, the, you know, the advice, you know, the career advice I like to give young people is, you know, hey, don't, don't, um, don't get great at stuff that you hate, right? Which, which is good career advice for wage workers. Challenge with entrepreneurship is um, the the nature of the fast money investor ecosystem right now is pushing entrepreneurs away very, very rapidly from building stuff and and, and, and building lasting stuff for their community and focusing on duly on, um, uh, you know, really, uh, let's just say, ambitious financial projections, investor relations and marketing, which, you know, is certainly important, but it is, is not core to the entrepreneurial mission. You know, what Steve Jobs called making a dent in the in the universe. You can't really make that dent if you're um, too much at the behest of, of, of short term investors. I mean, you started your entrepreneurial venture, um, you know, not to work for the man, but to you know create something new. You mentioned virtual reality. I mean, Apple next week are probably going to come out with some virtual reality goggles, which are certainly going to look better and perhaps be more viable than the stuff being brought out by Meta and other companies. Why isn't the why why is the metaverse not real? You know, because we tried it and it failed, right? So um, well, we've tried AI and it kept on failing, and now we have some success. Aren't yeah, no, these I, I, spaces, aren't they all littered uh, with failures until someone succeeds? Sometimes. So um, on the metaverse, I mean, we, we you know we had Second Life in two thousand and three, and and we we had a wide range of immersive environments. Again, not to suggest that we shouldn't keep plodding along, but we shouldn't pretend as if it's new, right? Um, with respect to uh, to AI, I mean that. I'm of the view that, again, I define it as knowledge accumulation um, and knowledge accumulation at scale. And so that's clearly um, torqued up. And 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 so I, I do believe it's happening. Um, so it, but it just it's at a scale, um, the implications of which were, were are being debated right now. I like the title of the book, Neil, Accelerated Minds. Do entrepreneurs have quite literally accelerated minds. Uh, you mentioned dopamine and, and the way in which that makes them addicted to the excitement of, of startups. Uh, how does that impact on the speed of the mind? Yeah, so, I mean, entrepreneurs do enjoy um, and manifest a great deal of cognitive uh, flexibility and speed, and they, they love that. Um, the, the, the one condition that's most associated with entrepreneurship, it's often also called CEO disease within the entrepreneurship community, is ADHD, again, associated with accelerated minds. Um, accelerated minds don't necessarily mean minds that are um, of, of greater uh, greater IQ, greater EQ, um, uh, but they, they tend to be what I call mutts, um, that people who sort of take uh, sort of ideas from one place and, and map it to another and then try to um, bring together different ideas to advance um, advanced a, a new solution to an old problem. What do you make of Elon Musk? Um, I, I take your point that maybe Elizabeth Holmes and Sam Bankman-Fried aren't really examples of entrepreneurs. They're basically just criminals. But 
Uh, we did a show a couple of weeks ago on Musk, on SpaceX, on Tesla, on uh, Twitter, and all the other initiatives he's involved with. Is um, is Musk Exhibit A in your accelerated minds argument? He's most definitely. Um, he's most definitely uh, a subset of exhi Exhibit A. He he manifests along the spectrum some elements of a community-based values-based entrepreneur. Um, you know. Uh, initiating sort of new, new ideas for saving the tie at schoolboys and a whole range of other things he's done um, honorably around the world. Um, and he's been very open about um, his own uh, mental health uh, conditions. A and um, at, at the same time, he's, he's committed to excellence and impact. And he's been what I mean, one of the things I really admire about about Elon Musk is so many things to admire, um, despite the many legitimate criticisms of him. Um, is that he's been very open and transparent about how bloody hard you need to work as an entrepreneur. To right. your earlier, you know, he sort of makes fun and mocks entrepreneurs who list, uh, work anything less than seven days a week. So he's real. Um, and I really appreciate that. I think the one thing we need to do desperately is tell new entrepreneurs the truth uh, about the journey that they're about to embark upon. Uh, next week, I'm doing an interview uh, with an author... Uh, Simone uh, Stoltzoff, uh, he has a new book out, The Good Enough Job, uh, Reclaiming Life from Work. Now, your book is, is, is not making the same argument, uh, but you are suggesting that there is life outside work. I think for Musk, there isn't. He's happy, or he was happy, sleeping at the Tesla factory for months on end to make it successful. He clearly doesn't have much of a private life. He's a very difficult man. Um, are entrepreneurs people who simply don't want any life outside work? And, and, and should we simply accept that? They may be odd, but that's just the nature of things. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like to prize, pride myself on being odd, and that's why I'm wearing this sort of odd startup t-shirt i started as a joke but um i quite like wearing the neurotypic behavior that i manifest um yeah look i i mean that you can have a life inside of working seven days a week my my late father um he he worked seven days a week 12 hours a day as a as a dopamine science researcher he would he would uh, yell out according to my mother dopamine receptors in his his dreams he just lived a life inside of work um, so, you know, this whole sort of, we, we need to really re-examine these words like work-life balance, um, it sort of creates a false dichotomy for those of us, and I can consider myself one, who just love to work. The nature of companies like Google, for example, and this was parodied um, in, in a number of novels, is that they do away with the work-life balance. So when you go and work at Google or Facebook, you work on their campus. They provide everything from laundry to gyms to massage. Should we be concerned that successful large corporations like Google and, and, and Facebook are themselves doing away with the work-life balance? And of course, if you go and work for Google or Facebook, you might be working as a, as a bureaucrat. You're not necessarily going in there as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Those companies have really metamorphosed considerably from the culture they once had. And, and 
um, you don't know to what extent that serves their investors uh, versus their recruitment um, and retention needs in the current labor force market. I mean, I think you're pointing to a larger um, problem or issue, and that is how to signal um, to young people in particular that working hard um, in and of itself is 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 important. Um, it, you know, um, to, to the extent that uh, the workplace, let's just say, diminishes hard work, um, that, in my view, puts puts a company at at risk. And actually, we see that right now in the world of AI. I mean, if anything, um, these big tech behemoths should be really terribly worried about, um, you know, just the large number of, of, of small little startups, two person, three person shops that are working seven days a week um, uh, trying to uh, beat them on the on the on the metrics of, of success in AI. So who would be an example of an entrepreneur who's living the right, correctly, shall we say, balanced life? You mentioned your father who murmured about dopamine in his sleep. He clearly was incapable of switching off. We talked about Holmes and, 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 and Bankman Fried, who aren't even entrepreneurs, and Musk. Are there models of entrepreneurs who we should try to emulate? Steve Jobs is often talked about in Silicon Valley, but he was sure. also someone who had no life outside work, whose relations with his children suffered, who sure. was loathed by many of the people who worked for him. Yeah, you know, so I, I, again, just to get away from the sort of the, the work-life balance sort of thing, I mean, I, I, I think you can... You can you can work seven days a week and and, and work uh, uh, brutally hard, but you can also uh, do things like um, philosophic consolation. I I, I believe in. Uh, there's a whole range of neuromodulation te techniques that are popular among entrepreneurs. Just to take five minute checks during the day. To, uh, even uh, there's a great number of ideas around contemplating your own mortality, your own insignificance in the larger universe. Um, you know, so you mean in the middle of a, 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 a product planning meeting, you should <laughs> contemplate your own insignificance and your own imminent death? Is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> Maybe not imminently before, but um, you should have a reminder of that. Absolutely. I mean, what I'm preaching here is 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 obviously stoicism and 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 the great works. Um, and so we I mean, read. Uh, yeah, I know you had a piece recently about um, uh, Plato's advice to discontented workers at least be virtuous or perhaps the real advice is read plato yeah i mean absolutely uh, and and you know not a um, lot of fun neil though i mean what about watching tv or 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 or, or, or watching football on television or just having some fun um, yeah. you're, you're a terribly serious fellow aren't you <laughs> Yes, I'm earnest. Um, you know, look, uh, uh, we can blame uh, your father for that and his do dopamine fetish. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, and I'm look, I'm obsessed with dopamine, too. I, I, I now I understand why my father was obsessed with it. It, it what I've done is I've simply m 
matched the the dopamine science and looked at the entrepreneurship research and the two don't really talk to one another and that's what's interesting right you get in the field of economics you get people citing themselves but not the scientific research and vice versa and same in psychology and what's really needed to this this complex discussion about what makes an entrepreneur tick what makes an entrepreneur get off the rails is what i call you know interdisciplinarity really sort of um that cross-fertilizing, sharing ideas, and understanding uh, why entrepreneurs are at risk and, and why we love them. We love them. We absolutely love them. But we want, we want to make sure that they don't uh, do themselves harm because our collective prosperity increases increasingly depends on, on, on entrepreneurs. Uh, scientists have shown, I think, from their research that um, children can... Uh, can, can uh, have the same addictions as their parents when it comes to drugs and alcohol and perhaps gambling. What, a, what about dopamine in, in terms of entrepreneurship, Neil? Can that be passed on from father to son? Did you quite literally inherit your father's, not just his interest in dopamine, but your high levels? Because you sound in some ways rather like him. You're doing different things. You're a a data entrepreneur, he was a dopamine scientist, but you're both highly obsessed with your work. Yeah, um, we, we haven't found any uh, proof of, of, of genetic inheritance in, in entrepreneurship, so no gene for entrepreneurship. Um, in the <laughs> investor community, I mean, I, you know, I've been an investor too. I, I do believe that uh, sort of one one indicator uh, of success is often if the entrepreneur is uh, the son or, or daughter of an entrepreneur or, or was uh, mentored by an entrepreneur for a long period of time, but I don't have any genetic uh, proof of that. Um, we, we do see now um, uh, dopamine receptors being elevated in the brain of entrepreneurs. And that's sort of interesting um, I think over time we could test your hypothesis, but it, it hasn't been um, proven yet. Can we individually, can we test our dopamine? Can we learn whether we have these, what you call dopamine receptors? So some people have larger ones than others. Yeah, they get, I mean, we all have, the, there's five dopamine receptors in the brain. Um, uh, 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 I'm sorry, one, yeah, five dopamine receptors that receive the, the dopamine in the brain. Um, and we, we all have them. Um, the question is to what extent they're magnified and to what extent and how we, uh, the, the intensity of dopamine release. Like we all, what dopamine does is it attaches salience to things that we invest meaning in, right? So um, for those of us who uh, attach meaning to making money, what my grandfather called sleet or making money, then then making the sleet is what you attach value to from a very early age. Um, and for others of us, um, it, it, it's it's different. Um, so it, it, it's it's not so much um, whether we have the receptor activity or not. It, it's just it's the speed of the release. Um, and, and how we can modulate them. And, and we know, I mean, we know through tests and experimentation that when people are given dopamine-inducing uh, drugs, uh, they, um, they take greater risks. Uh, and, and so we have, we, have, we have evidence of the connection. Uh, finally, Neil, um, should all this be taught in business school? 
No. Are you I, suggesting that, uh, yeah, no, that, 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 that so. the kind of kids who go to business school already yeah. will have a pre propensity towards accelerated minds and maybe more vulnerable to the dopamine that you're describing in your work? Should business schools be wary of this in the same way as, as, as getting them ready for a life of entrepreneurship? Also, uh, reiterating the work-life balance and the responsibility and all the other things that you talk about in the book? Yeah, so, I, I mean, I think, you know, business schools these days increasingly talk about well-being. I think mental health is more the preserve of, of medicine and public health. I, you know, entrepreneurs come from everywhere. They, they don't necessarily, they're not hatched in, in business schools. Um, but that being said, I, I, I think in particular, the, the financial media, uh, the tech media, uh, the investor community, I think that that's where the message needs to come from. Uh, that's where it's more effective, um, I think. Well, Neil, I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to check out. No more work today. I'm going to drink. <laughs> going to gamble. Going to have a lot of sex. So thank you so much. And I hope okay. you do the same, Neil, are you? You're not going to work the rest of the evening, are you? Yes, I will. And I'm Oh, dear. My work's a bit different. I'm, I'm going to philosophize. Good. Well, good luck with that. Thanks, Andrew.